check, check. One, two, check. Mic's on. From the world of education to you, my name is Dr. A. Our show is all about finding your voice by connecting our community through collaboration. All right, welcome back to another edition of Mike's On. This is episode 56. So, Robin, guess what? You are my 56th customer to walk through and be a part of the podcast. I have Robin Meager with me. Robin is the assistant principal at Antonia Middle School um, in the Fox School District. So, welcome, Robin. Thank you so much. 56, that's, that's quite a few. Yeah, we're in, we're in year two already. We're season two already. So... <laughs> Here we go. But um, Robin and I know each other because we are both part of uh, the University of Missouri-St. Louis SEAL project, which I believe is character education in emerging leaders. And so what that means is UMSL has um, a grant-funded project going on where they, they try, first of all, UMSL does a magnificent job with um, character education and um those of us who may have gone through something called LACE, which was the Leadership Academy for Character Education, um, that's what it was formerly called. Now it's SEAL. Um, now what ha- is going on is those of us who have been through the project for from many moons ago, I guess, are now the, the, the mentors to um, fellows like Robin. So I'm the old guy, she's the young pup, and we're, we're, we're together trying to learn a little bit more about what makes a, a good character ed leader in our buildings. So Robin, tell me just a little bit about yourself and kind of where you are in your educational journey and what got you there. Okay. Um, So this is my 20th year in education. Um, I have worked in the Fox School District the entire time. Um, I was a classroom teacher in Fox um, for 14 years, and this is my sixth year as an assistant principal here at Antonia Middle School. Um, in my, my journey, I just, I feel like our, the building I work in currently has been a national school of character, and I, I just want to continue learning different ways to, to keep that alive and to, to enhance what's already present, because I feel like it's, it's good, but I want it to, you know, we should always strive for things to be better, so... In terms of character education, that's that's where that's where I am. And so, talk talk to me a little bit about your different stops along the way. Like, where did you start in in education, and then uh, where have you been since you got to where you are now? The first building that I was in is um, Sherwood Elementary, um, and in that building, I actually I, I taught sixth grade most of the time. I was fortunate to teach second grade one year and fifth grade for one year, but it was a lot of fun. So. Um, now, actually, after this year comes to a close, I will be traveling back to Sherwood as assistant principal um, at the elementary level. So it's going to be interesting to see how this role is different from a middle school perspective and an elementary perspective, but kind of excited because now I see things that we can do to help develop fifth graders to be ready to transition into the middle school. Um, and I know everyone is kind of already aware of things that they need, but um, I feel like I can help help build that bridge and make that even stronger. Yes. Yeah, so you have been how many years at Antonia? Six. Six years. And you and I, you know, we we basically met during a pandemic. You know, you and I have never met face to face yet. And you and I should talk just a little bit about the differences in the way our districts have handled 
um, you know, educating our kids during a pandemic. So when you guys first uh, got into spring break, I mean, that's basically, I mean, we were about a year out now, right? I think it was for us, our last day of school was March 12th um, last year. And then the following day was spring break. And then we had an extended spring break for two weeks. And then all of a sudden we were out for the rest of the school year. How did it work for you guys last year? Same. So we ended up closing in-house in March and everything went virtual. So all of our teachers kind of hit the ground running and we did already have some structures in place, but I mean, it was, it was a quick turnaround with trying to make sure everything was accessible for students, trying to make sure that communication piece was out there. So parents knew where to look and when to log on. And it was, it was a lot at first, you know, but, but it ended, it ended well. And I felt like what we learned from the spring set us up for better success in the fall um, for our students who were full-time virtual. And then our students who did come back were hybrid at first. So they were here two days a week, had office hours with their teachers on Wednesday, and then um, either came in person on the last two days of the week or, you know, it was kind of a vice versa. If you were in-house Monday, Tuesday, you were virtual Thursday, Friday, um, and the opposite. How how do you think that was um, received by the community? I think, uh, obviously, parents, you know, always wanted their their kids in-house because we know the best education is when they're in a classroom. So the community was really good about supporting why the decision was made. Um, But ultimately, parents definitely wanted students to be in-house as much as possible. Right. So now going into fourth quarter starting, they're actually going to bring elementary back five days a week. So the kids who are already in class are going to come back five days. The middle school and high school are going to continue with four um, as, you know, we are housing our own virtual students currently. Right. So it gives them that day to kind of work through um, stuff with the virtual classes that they're. So your virtual day is, or, or office hour days is still Wednesday? Yes. Okay. Yes. So quiet in the building right now? Yes. Yeah. It's extremely quiet right now. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think of that where you guys are having two days on, a day off, and then two days back, and then the weekend? How's that feeling? Um, it's it's interesting. It's it's nice because on on Wednesdays it provides that opportunity for students who need some additional help to log on and it's kind of neat to see them utilize that time because I, I was curious to see if students were actually going to log in and, and they have been. Some of the teachers have offered to tutor students, you know, so we have parents who, uh, virtual kids who will bring them and if there's something that they just were not getting virtually, they'll offer time to help those students on those days also. So it's it's good. It's just, I think it would be nice to have them here five days a week. Yeah. So with, so are you guys, you guys are through the remainder of the school year, it will be like that for the secondary. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. And I, I think that's, you know, kind of a difference that, that um, we have in the Rockwood School District is we have been able to have a couple virtual days uh, during the third quarter here. Um, and we've chosen those to be Fridays. So we had five in the third quarter, and then we will have three for the fourth quarter. And one of the things that, um, so so we'll come up on spring break next week um, uh, after the 19th, and then we'll be off for a week, and then we come back. And in April, we have uh, the, the 16th, the 23rd, and the 30th are all virtual days. So kind of the same way you guys are set up, but May is going to be uh, full on 
uh, no virtual time. And okay. one of, that's one of the things that I've really heard from the teachers is how difficult that's going to be. Now, I know they'll rise to the challenge, as they always do. I appreciate the fact that, that Fox is allowing um, the teachers and the students to be able to have those four-day weeks because that day in between or that day at the end really does help with the planning, really does help with the, the mental mindset and being able to just readjust. And how are your teachers feeling about everything? Because, you know, there's a lot going on around us. I would agree. Our teachers have been troopers. I mean, they really have any challenge. They've just, you know, they've come and and push forward because yeah. that's, you know, that's what we have to do. That's what's best for kids. Um, I do agree, though. I think the Wednesday is good for not only for the teachers to kind of regroup and, you know, start planning for, for what's coming next, but for some of the students, it's been a lot just coming in and, you know, having their mask on all day and everything. And We've, we have heard that that day in the middle of the week is kind of a nice break for some of our kids who, you know, may have anxiety, may have um, just the overwhelming with coming back four days a week, you know, after winter break. So um, there, there are definitely benefits um, to both groups. And um, it's the, the teachers, they just, they're phenomenal. I know, right? It's, it's, it's definitely been a challenging year, but... They just, they're, it, it astounds me that they, they always still are striving to do what's best for kids. Right. And I think, you know, that's, I just can't say enough about them. Have you heard about a lot of the teachers being able to get vaccinated here recently, or are they starting to get their appointments, or how is that looking in your building? Some of our teachers have been vaccinated, but I know there are still some who are waiting, so just trying to to find appointments, you know, now that they've now that they've kind of moved the window up a little bit, um, people are, are trying to to look for appointments, but it's it's still still hit and miss. You know, those who have been able to get appointments feel very fortunate, um, and I know you know there's no right or wrong. There are some people who want the vaccine, there are some people who do not. Um, but for those who do want it, um, it's it's still not been super easy to get appointments. Um, put your um, prognosticator hat on and, and start seeing if you can look into the future. What do you think the start of the school year is going to look like next year? I think the start of the school year is going to look like five days a week in, you know, in-house. We'll have students back. Um, but I do think students will have masks still. Again, this is not, I, I don't have any information. I right. don't have any, this right. is just me. This is my, opinions. My, uh, <laughs> what I see. Right. Um, but I think we're going to be in a lot better shape um, because I do think we'll see more vaccination rolling out and more people getting vaccinated. Um, but I think probably masks are going to be around for at least next school year. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I would I would agree. I think we're gonna at least start the the school year with masks on, and then and at least get ourselves through flu season um, yes. next year, and then maybe maybe as we get into twenty twenty two, which is really weird to say, um, you know, we we can start lifting that stuff. Um, I do look forward to the spring months and the and days ahead because I feel like we'll be able to get outside a little bit more. Are your teachers doing much of that with the kids? Like they'll be in the classroom and then say, hey, we're going to take a break and we're going to go outside. You guys doing that much? We do have some that take them out. I know um, obviously our, our PE classes at lends right. itself a little bit um, easier to, to get them out, but 
It has been so nice. You know, if we get um, walking by a window and we see them running around, we have a, a beautiful campus up here. And it's so nice to see them outside and just enjoying the weather and, you know, getting outside the building for a little bit to to just get outside of it, you know, yeah. get some fresh air in. And so, yeah, we have a, a nice space in the center of our building that's enclosed. Um, it's kind of like a mini amphitheater. Yeah. <laughs> and some of our teachers will utilize that space um, for classes, too. But um, some are using it. Yeah. I anticipate more will as it continues to get warmer um, through spring, but it's always it's always nice to see them outside using those spaces. How um, old is that building? This it was ten years old last year. So yeah, so it's crazy. Year. A relatively new building, right? Yes. How do you how do you like working in a newer school. kind of building, right? Do you yes, like? it's it's. Um, for anyone who has not been out here to see the building, it's kind of out on its own. Um, and it's just, it's, it's surrounded by trees and, and land. And it's just, it's, it's a really nice place to be. It's a neat it campus to be in the building for sure. Yeah. Good campus. How many kiddos in the building altogether? About 530. Yeah. Roughly. And you guys serve six, seven, eight, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. All right. So that's the getting to know you. Now we're going to do 15 questions. You know, 15 questions. Well, so I, I borrowed this from one of my teacher guests who actually hosted one of the podcasts and then turned the tables and asked me all the questions. Right. And <laughs> so the 15 questions are just kind of corny, fun questions uh, taken from, I get, I think Jimmy Kimmel or Jimmy Fallon, oh, one of the two. Okay. All right. First question for you. How many states have you been to? Oh, goodness. Um, I have been to... Uh, sorry, counting. No, that's all right. Um, five states. Six, no. Probably seven states. Okay, so seven states that you've actually visited and stayed in. And did you drive to any of those? Yes. So you've probably been to more then, right? I probably have. Because you've driven through. So, all right. So you're going to say seven. All right, good. Uh, What was the name of your first pet? Lily. Lily? And what kind of of pet was it? A boxer. She was the best ever. Yeah? Did you get her when she was a pup? Yes. We got her the day we got um, off the plane from our honeymoon. Oh, okay. So, So this is a dog that you have now. No. No? Okay. No. It's been a while, okay. I guess, huh? Yeah. You know, Mary's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have a pet in the house, don't you? Yes, we do. And what do you have? A boxer. <laughs> <laughs> you just love those play. Those are some playful pups, aren't they? Oh, man. They have some energy, yes. Yeah? <laughs> Definitely. So Lily was a good dog. Who, who's the dog now? Remy. Remy? And what, what's he like? He is he is crazy. Yeah. He just yeah. Our our kids absolutely love him. Yeah. But he's a ball of energy is probably the best way to describe him. Speaking of kids, how many do you have? Three boys. Three boys. Yes. Um, <laughs> Pretty busy in our household. You are sure. a boy mom, huh? Oh yeah. Boy mom all the way. Yeah, right. All right. What's the longest flight you have ever taken? Probably five four and a half hours. Yeah. California. Okay. How is that? Amazing. Yeah. Where in California did you go? San Diego. Ooh. I've Beautiful. always I've never been. I would love to go. You definitely need to get yourself there at some point. Yeah, we will for sure. So what's your favorite family tradition, past or present? Oh man. 
favorite family tradition? Probably just the holidays. Like I, I love that we have, we're fortunate that we have our families all local and we are typically, let's just say Christmas. All right. We, we are with, um, we see my husband's side every Christmas Eve. We see my side every Christmas day. And, um, that's just something that we know is going to happen. And it's, it's just, it's really nice. And it's a nice sense of comfort to know that our families are close and everybody's here in St. Louis, right? So that in, in the area, that's great. What was the first record you ever bought? Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) or was it a cassette tape? It was probably a cassette <laughs> tape, and I'm trying to think. Was it Millie Vanilli? Oh or gosh! The <laughs> Blame it on the rain, huh? <laughs> Blame it on the rain, and then I was really disappointed when I found out, you know. But you know, it. Yeah, they weren't really singing it. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good song. Yeah, sure, so. sure. That's funny. All right. Uh, do you remember what the color of your childhood bedroom was? Yes. It well, was white. <laughs> it was just white. All right. And I think I had orange curtains. Okay. Orange. Good. Yes. Bright. Get yeah. you up out of bed, I bet. Hey, oh, yeah. so what's the scariest ride you've ever been on? Oh, um, definitely Superman at Six Flags. Yeah, that's a drop in the stomach, isn't it? Oof. I will, I will take a roller coaster any day, but that. Yeah. And, I, and you know what? I got on it again. Yeah. <laughs> And it was we took the kids on a field trip yeah, out there. Yeah. For when I was a teacher. Yeah. And of course, you do things. Mrs. Meager, come on. So, and the teacher that I work with, he was so funny, and he's like, "Hey, we've got this. Let's do this." So sure enough, here I am again. Nice. On Superman. No, I'm going to be terrified. It was. It was okay. All right. Who was your role model as a kid, and why? Definitely my parents. They just they they did anything and everything they could to make sure that we were successful. Like they, they wanted to make sure that education was a priority for us. We knew that. Um, and it was just, I always felt loved. I still feel loved. I'm fortunate. My parents are, you know, healthy and, and live close, but they just, they, they made it look easy. How many siblings? Yeah. Any siblings? We have two siblings, so okay. there are three of us total. Okay. And we, <laughs> I think. Gave uh, your parents a run for their money. Huh? Growing up, and my parents had had their work cut out for them, but boy, they they worked really hard. To, Sisters, brothers. One brother, he's two years older, and one sister who's two years younger. Okay. Child syndrome, I guess. I I, I know how that feels, right? So yeah. who who was. Uh, I guess the the biggest instigator in the family. Oh boy, this is this is a loaded question. Um, <laughs> biggest instigator. They would probably say that I was the tattletale. <laughs> so I think that the two of them. <laughs> you just wanted to keep peace. I yeah. Yeah. That, yes. So. Pro- I'm not being a good sister by saying that. Funny. <laughs> they were. They they are funny. Yeah. They they definitely were the. Probably a lot more fun than me. Uh, that's funny. <laughs> All right, so when did you first feel like an adult? Um, probably when I started college. Yeah. Just because, you know, living, I mean, I, I lived at home. I did go to school here in St. Louis. Mm-hmm. But knowing that it was, everything was my responsibility. Like, I, I had to, 
even though I had to drive to high school, like I knew there was money being put out for me to get yep. this education. I had to show that I was responsible enough um, to make it happen and get to my classes on time and, you know, just put it all together. So I felt like I had grown up a little bit when I started there. Yeah. What was the hardest class you ever took? Probably. High school or college? Oh, man. High school or college. Well, I have always had a love for math and science. So I'm honestly going to say probably something language arts related. Like I, I just, I, I can write and I, I, I feel like what I write is okay, but it's not something that I love. Right. Right. <laughs> like you really got to sit down and think about what you need to write. And yeah, I know how that is. It's, it's a tough thing sometimes. What was the first concert you went to? Oh goodness. First concert. I'm, I'm really, I can't remember. I remember going to see George Strait. Okay. That was a big one down at the Dome. All right. Because I like country music also. Um, so then when was the last, con- what was the last concert you went to? Well, does Green Day count? Okay. At, um, <laughs> at the All-Star Game. <laughs> nice. There you go. That'll work. <laughs> yeah. Oh, you got to go to the All-Star Game though. How was that? Yes. It was, so it was the hockey all-star game. It was awesome. Our boys are into hockey, and it was so much fun. Yeah, that's awesome. They put on a great concert, too. I guess one last question. What's the worst misspelling of your name you've ever seen? (laughs) The worst misspelling? They just, a lot of people leave out the H. They just put M-E-A-G-E-R. Well, and we talked about this before we even started, because I was like, I got to make sure I get your last name right, because I always want to say Mahar, because it's M-E-A-G-H-E-R, right? But it's meager. So. A fact about me? Yeah, coming back to it, huh? Really really goofy, (laughs) but this, people who know me are probably like, yeah, that's Robin. But, um, I... (laughs) When I, when I like run up the stairs, sometimes I find myself counting them. I don't know why, but little OCD when it comes to that, huh? You know what's so bizarre? I do the same thing. <laughs> I don't do it all the time. I don't do it all the time, but I'm often interested to know just how many stairs are taking me up or down. And it's really bizarre, especially when I'm at school. Sometimes I'm like, all right, I'm walking down the stairs. There's this many. I don't know. It's just bizarre. Something to do, I guess, while you're walking. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, thanks for playing 15 questions with me. I'm going to get straight into our topic for today. Our topic for today is noble purpose, and I'm going to share my screen with you. Hopefully, you can kind of see this. I can see it, yeah. All right, great. So, you know, part of what we have to do when we go through our mentoring uh, process is uh, kind of talk about different virtues. Um, You and I have been able to talk about two others so far, and we're now into purpose or noble purpose, which I find it interesting that it's not just purpose, it's a noble purpose. And so... Um, what I'm sharing with Robin right now is really just a PowerPoint that kind of talks through what's the difference between becoming a servant leader and then just versus learning about servant leadership. You know, do you have a desire to lead 
uh, or to serve, basically. And then, you know, hopefully by the end, we'll become aware of what servant leadership is and the virtues that it entails. And I don't know if we'll get to the seven changes or, of the stage, but we'll we'll see what we got going on here, okay? So first, we're going to define purpose. It's the reason for which something is done or created for which something exists. So examples would be what is a motive, what are grounds, cause, and occasion, that kind of thing. And Noble's definition is showing fine personal qualities or high moral principles or ideals. Synonyms would be righteous, virtuous, good, honest, and honorable. Um, so when we look at a noble purpose, it's a clear and succinct statement about the impact an, your organization has on its customers, and for us, it's students. It's the jumping off point for a strategic initiative that includes every facet of your organization. It's not enough to say we want to be ethical, provide value, and make money while we're doing it. We really want to have more to it. So your noble purpose is a stable and generalized intention to accomplish something both meaningful to the self and consequential beyond the self. That's a purpose. And then a noble purpose actually drives a person to make a positive difference in the world. It's your why. We're going to listen to um, this from Steve Harvey. And I don't know if you really watch Steve Harvey much. Uh, Every once in a while around the dinner table, we'll turn on Family Feud just because we get a kick out of some of the categories that they have. And he is pretty funny. But um, I just want us to, to listen to what he has to say about finding your own purpose your gift is very simple to know you don't have to go anywhere to discover it it's not in the water it's not on the mountaintop it ain't hid under a rock now this is how you know you're not living in your gift if when the alarm clock goes off in the morning and you ain't happy about it you ain't doing what you want to do If your job makes you sick to go to, if you're unhappy with waking up to go to where you got to go, it's because you ain't living in your gift. What burns in your heart is important for you to pay attention to because it never goes away. That's why people wake up in a rut. See, you hate waking up because you're waking up and you don't know the reason. You're waking up and you don't have no design in mind. Once you live in your purpose, when you discover your gift, you can't wait to wake up understand pay very close attention to the thing that makes you happy all of you are gifted at something the problem is you keep wanting your gift to be what somebody else gift is identify your own gift because you already have it here's the way you identify your gift your gift is the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort If you fry chicken better than everybody you know, you ought to be somewhere frying chicken. People make millions of dollars frying chicken. Popeyes, Kentucky Fried Chicken, El Pollo Loco. All they doing is making chicken. They just found a way to do it. Somebody just started making chicken. You know the story of Marie Callender's? Do you know what this woman did, man? She worked for a diner, a greasy spoon diner that was going out of business. It was her only job. She was a single mother. It was her only job. She needed that job, but the diner was going to close. So she went to the owner of the diner and said, let me bake one of my pies, people like my pies, and see if I can help you make a little money. He said, whatever, bring it in. She bought one pie in. They sold every slice. The next day, the people came in and asked for the pie. She had to go home and make another pie. 
The next day, so many people asked for the pie, she had to make four pies. Then people started saying, can I buy my own pie? She made so many pies at this store that she eventually saved her money and put a commercial oven in her house. Now all, she done made so many pies, the dude's shop, he ain't selling hamburgers no more. All he's selling is them damn pies. That's how Marie Callender got started. Marie Callender now has over 120 restaurants. You can't go to no frozen food section without seeing Marie Callender in there. You know what she started with? A pie. One pie. Your gift will make room for you. Now, what is your gift? It's the thing that you do the absolute best with the least amount of effort. That's your gift. Quit running away from the gift. Your gift will make room for you. Stop trying to be something you ain't gifted at. Maybe you here because you need to hear this here. Maybe you here because you need to dust off your dreams. Maybe you need to explore your imagination. Maybe you just need to identify your gift so you can get so you can quit tripping in your own life trying to figure out what you can do. Some people are born to be teachers, caregivers, nurses babysitters. Those are gifts, you know what I mean? If you're living in your gift, you're cool. It's just if you ain't. You do anything else, when that alarm clock go off in the morning, you ain't gonna like it. But I would hate to die and never do the thing I was born to do. You should look into that before you mess around and check out of here. So, what did you think of what Steve had to say? That was awesome. I've never seen that video before. Isn't it a good one? That's really, really you good. You know, and, and as I was kind of uh, working on putting this together, I just went and found that. And it, I love I love when you can have the um, serendipitous type things happen where, you know, you bump into somebody or you um, somebody reaches out to you or um, that you weren't expecting. Or like today, this was this morning. I mean, literally just before we started talking, I'm like, I want to see if I can find something. And that came up almost immediately, had never seen it. And I just love the idea that, you know, what are you doing with your life? And, and are you here? Are you, are you doing what you're born to do? And you and I have had this conversation many times, because I think it's difficult being an educator sometimes, because there's so much you can do as an educator, but so much that you are limited in being able to do, right? Like we can't truly speak our mind, Robin. I mean, (laughs) you know, as educators, we have to have decorum. We have to be professional. We have to um, be more middle of the road than being one side or another, or really giving our opinion. And, and so um, I thought it so cool that when you and I first started talking in this conversation today, before we even uh, turned on record, you know, you're telling me some good news that I think you are pretty excited about in the fact that you're going back to a home school um, where you kind of started or or where you have some roots. Um, change, I love the fact that the change for you, it, it, it's like you're welcoming it with open arms. Never easy, never easy. But um, you and I kind of talked a little bit about how, you know, how do you want to get, do you want to get to that principal level? And you, and you said you would. Um, now, you know, maybe you're getting put in a spot where that becomes more of a reality in the, in the near future, you know. Um, you and I, I mean, there, it's, no, 
secret. You know, some of our school districts are struggling with finances and the way things are. And part of your move happens because there are things that need to be moved around in order for it to happen. But and this is something that I struggle with right now, being towards the end of my career, knowing that as I've gone through meaning, am I doing what I'm born to do? right? Because at 51 years old, I still feel like I got a ton of gas in the tank. And there's a lot of passion that needs to be unleashed that I, I, I don't know. I mean, I'm having struggles this year with unleashing things because of the way the situation is. You know, pandemics right. do not help us <laughs> do our normal everyday activities. So, um, but you and I, I mean, it's no secret. I'm, I'm more closer to, to retirement um, than, than you are. And, and so um, you and I have talked about what to do as you, as you get to that place. And, you know, my big thing is I just want to leave on a good note. I want to feel good about what I've done. And I hope that I have left the place better than how I found it. You know, and I, I bet I was going to say the exact same thing. It's, um, it, it really, when I watched that video, I thought it makes you, we're grateful every day for the positions that we are able to be in. Um, but knowing that we get to come to work and we look forward to coming to work day in, day out, you know, I, I enjoy coming and knowing that I'm building relationships with the staff that I work with and the students that I work with. And I do agree with you. It has been harder during the pandemic because, you know, social distancing and mask and not being able to read facial, you know, just, you know, gestures that are, that someone is expressing, um, has made that a little more difficult, but how grateful we all are. And I know you say that, you know, you, you're coming to the end of your career, but my goodness, just in the conversations we've had and, um, what you've been able to do in your building, it really is inspiring to me. It makes me think about things that I can do with, you know, I've got, like I said, this is my 20th year, so I still have some time. And I, I want to continue to, to be the change that can help make things better for kids and make things better for teachers and, you know, continue to be someone that people feel like they can come to and rely on. So it's, that, that was really, that was really good. I love the fact that your superintendent came to you and said, hey, I need you to, um, I know this is probably a good thing for you in a sense, because you know, you know, the, the community, everything, but with, um, an open mind, you said, yep, I, I'm, I'm good with it. And, um, I think that change when, when we know change is going to happen, we really have to learn how to embrace it. We have to Absolutely. learn how to process through everything that's going to happen between now and the end of the school year for you, it's going to be bittersweet. I mean, there's going to be a lot of things that you probably are going to miss, things that, that you don't get to do this year that you normally would have gotten it done in a normal year, and that, that for, for your tenure as, as Antonia's assistant principal, you won't get to do again, right? Um, but the, the joy of being able to move on and, and finding some cool things and those connections. I love the idea that you are moving from elementary up to middle fr and then from middle back to elementary. 
to be honest with you. And I wish that more districts would consider that value, being able to have people at at levels experience, because whether it's coming from the elementary up to the middle, or from the middle up to the high, or from the high down to the middle, there is so much value in understanding the needs of our kids at the different developmental stages that I wish we would be more open, because not all of our districts are like that. You know, not once once you become a middle school educator, that's what you are. And so... And, right. and and it frustrates me because my heart is really as an elementary educator and my whole career has been built at the middle level. And that's not to say that I haven't enjoyed it and, and found success at it. It's just the real fire that I got was seeing the little ones light up. And yes. and I think for you, it's such a cool thing to just know that you get to kind of go back and 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 see those faces light up the way they do, and uh, I'm excited for you. You know, I, I really appreciate it. I'm, I, like I said, I'm looking forward to it. That the community that Sherwood is in, I, I I love that community. I love the community down here in Antonia. But it's nice to know that um, there the teachers in that building. I, I feel like I'm talking about both of the buildings I've had experience yeah. in. They're just all about kids and what's good for kids and. You know, that's that's the reason that we all got into education, and I'm glad that you know we haven't lost sight of that because well, it's that's that's why we're here. And you and I have talked about it. It's no secret. You know, I have always appreciated the way in which the Fox educator has carried themselves um, throughout the time that I've actually worked there or um, been able to see it from afar through um, family friends who have kids that go to the buildings. And, you know, I've always heard good things about the educators um, in the Fox School District. And and I feel like, you know, I wish there was a way to, to take some of our teachers um, from different places and just bring them all together and say, okay, what makes a good teacher? And, and how, why, why is it? Because, you know, I work in Rockwood. You work in Fox. We both know that that one is much bigger than the other in the sense that there's a, a much bigger tax base to draw from um, in Rockwood than there is in Fox. You're de- dealing in two different counties. One's in Jefferson County. One's in St. Louis County. And then d- the dynamic of the, the populations and, and who is who is, uh, um, is each district serving. I wish there was a way. That, that we could do more like trading of t- like shadow time. It'd be so cool if there was a way for us to say, hey, for today, our our uh, seventh grade math teacher is going to take a trip down to Antonia Middle School and switch places with their seventh grade math teacher and just be able to see what it's like in the different places, you know? I would agree, I would agree because I think no matter where we are, kids kids are kids. Kids you know? are kids. And, but, but what we, what different districts all around the suburban area have to work with can be different in terms of, you know, what, what the teachers have, um, in their hands, what's in their toolbox to use. So I do, I think there's, there's so much, so much that can be learned just from, um, standing in someone else's shoes for a minute. Yeah. The question I have on the screen is what challenges your purpose? You know, what are the pressures uh, that you get from different places? So workload load and hours, isolation, lack of support, compassion, fatigue, inadequate resources. I don't know. I mean, at different times during the school year or in my career, I can say every one of those has had some kind of impact on my career. Um, compassion fatigue for me is the one that jumps out 
the the biggest because it I don't think as an educator you ever stop caring about the issues that are going on around you, whether it's with your colleagues or whether it's with your the kids. And I can remember, you know, you're you're lucky in the sense that that you and your husband are both educators. And so you you get it. You know what I mean? Like you, you get why you have to talk about some things um, to get them off your chest. I'll never forget when I first was teaching and my wife and I have two totally different careers. Hers is, is in media and mine is in education. And, and I would come home, especially when I got to the middle school level and I would just tell her some stories about the kids that would, you know, break my heart. And I I don't know how interested she really was in in hearing about it because she didn't have an attachment to it. But over the years, when you put as much time in as we put in, the heart can only be holding so much, I think. And, And you come to a place, and especially after a pandemic year like we've been in, it's like, oh my gosh, I'm not sure what to do in order to combat or conquer the compassion fatigue because it's there and it's real. It's very real. I agree with you. You know, it's, you think about this stuff all the time on the weekends. Definitely. I mean, you're, there are conversations had because, you know, you're, you're worrying about, about someone or wondering how you can get through and connect with some of our our virtual students. I mean, there are kids I think about all the time because we just, we're having such a hard time connecting to participate or finding out Mm -hmm. if they're okay. And, Mm -hmm. you know, it's, it, it does not just turn off, um, when you walk out the doors and it is, it it definitely, it takes a lot out of you. But again, that's a good thing because that means that, you know, you care about the kids that you're serving. Yeah. I care about the kids we're serving here. Like it's, it's, it, but it's, it's, it's something that you can't just turn off. Do you ever feel, um, isolation in your position? I, 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 I do at times, but I, I have such a great team that I work with here, um, that the counselor and I work so close together. Um, I feel like I have, you know, she, whenever we're dealing with someone who say, for example, a student that we just can't get to participate or we can't get through to, um, she and I are great about getting together and trying to come up with a, a different strategy, um, but there are times, you know, it's, it's different in the administrative role where there are things that you definitely have uh, to separate yourself from. And sometimes, you know, you're, you're going to be in it on your own. And we knew that going in, but that, that's not always a fun place to be. But it's part of, part of what we signed up for. So, yes, I, I definitely can say I have been there, right? So considering leaders that you know, um, how many of them or how many are there who work to just collect a paycheck to climb a ladder or to improve the lives of others? And I would say those those two top ones there, um, collect a paycheck and climb a ladder. I mean, I, you and I have talked about this. Yes, we have. It's so difficult in this profession because the way it's built, it's built so that some who want to climb a ladder can do just that, you know? And that's not to say that it's it's a bad thing. It's just, I think, part of, you know, the nature of the beast. The collecting the paycheck, I mean, that's one thing I don't want to get to where 
where I'm in my career and I'm just like trying to show up and just be there, you know, um, I still want to have some passion with what I'm doing and trying to look for different ways. And I'm going to give you a quick example. Like at the end of the school year here, we usually would have like a recognition night for our eighth grade. We would have a dance for our eighth grade. We would go to Six Flags for our eighth grade. We would have an ice cream social. I mean, there were so many different things that we would do to commemorate the three years of, uh, of uh, middle school. And some would say that hey, it's only three years, but for, for us as a school community, it's really about, you know, you're... You're turning the corner into adulthood when you leave middle school, you know, so it's like leaving behind the young person that you were and starting to envision yourself as the adult. And so that's really what freshman year is all about, you know. So for us in our school community, it's always been about we're going to celebrate this idea that, hey, you're done with this and you're moving on. Not so much about graduating middle school. It's more about graduating kiddom, you know, and and, and moving on. So many of our middle schools are are doing something to celebrate, but not really thinking about the in-person stuff. And I just kept saying, man, I got to figure out some way to at least do something for our kids that that feels more like what we used to do. And mm-hmm. and so last year we did like a, a a car parade, and we our school is on New Baldwin, so so New Baldwin is like really busy. Um, it's a it's a subdivision street basically, um, all these different subdivisions up and down it, plenty of traffic that that makes its way on here. So to to cut the traffic off for a minute is like a big to do and hairy scary thing. So last year we did it, and and I said I could never do that again because it was it was. Nervous nerve-wracking and stressful because, you know, you have a whole community around you that might not understand what you're doing to 20, 30 minutes of a car parade. So I said, look, I at least want us to plan for something to be outside. And if it, if the weather doesn't cooperate, then it doesn't cooperate. We cancel and we can say, well, at least we tried, you know? And um, we can certainly socially distance outside and wear our masks and all this kind of stuff. So we're going to go ahead with our recognition night for our kids. So it's like the walking across the stage and shaking some hands and being done with with the the middle school life. But parents being able to take some pictures, that kind of thing, because that's what has really been missing uh, through this whole school year is the celebrations of being able to just... Be in a picture with somebody and be like, hey, check us out, that kind of stuff. We just haven't had the opportunities. And so I want to at least finish off the year with something like that. And then, uh, you know, we talk about doing a a little uh, field day for our eighth grade, which we have a park down the street that we can that we've already reserved so that our eighth graders can come and just have some fun down there. Um, But, you know, it's. I don't know. You know, we have 54 days of school left. 53, actually. You guys probably have less because... No. Our, well, our last day is May 31st. Because we didn't, with even snow days, we didn't have to. No, May 28th. Yeah, so you're done before before Memorial Day. 
Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. So we have to go a couple days after. We have to go June 1st, 2nd, and 3rd. Okay. Um, and then, so we're done half day on the 3rd. And I don't know, you know, how many kiddos are going to really be here. You know, I feel like... Uh, you know, people are going to go on Memorial Day weekend and be like, okay, we're good. So, you know, we're instructing our teachers, let's just make sure we get all of our assessments in prior to Memorial Day weekend because we don't know what that's going to look like. So the collect the paycheck and then climb the ladder, you know, I've seen enough of those kind of folks in, in my uh, my career that I, I know I don't want to be somebody like that, you know. This last piece, though, the one that is improve the lives of others, that's really kind of what I would like to try and do the best I can. The hardest part about being a leader for me is I try to model what I would like to see people do, and that doesn't always come off. You know, you, you can only push people so far to, to do things and people are going to decide for themselves whether or not they want something or not. So I always try to go with the motto, you know, hey, I'm going to do what I know I can do and I'm hopeful that people will follow along and kind of see it and, and do it too. So something as small as, and I learned this a long time ago when I was a class assistant, um, my teacher that I worked with, he was actually my PE teacher growing up. His name was Mike Cosgrove, and Mike was just a consummate professional and worked in the Parkway School District as a PE teacher for most of his career. And towards the end of his career, he went moved up to central office, and he's been retired for quite some time. But as a young man coming into this profession, I thought it'd be really cool to kind of go back and see some of my um, elementary teachers because they were the reason that I decided to get into this to begin with. And so, so it was really cool. I, I, I had a um, whole year with him and just something so simple. He'd be walking down the hall. I'd be walking right next to him and he'd see a piece of trash and he would not walk by it. If he saw a piece of trash on the floor, he would pick it up, put it in his pocket or throw it away as soon as he, and it could just be a little piece of paper or something. But I thought, man, that just, just that little act of care for your environment uh, is what I've tried to live by as I've been here. So, you know, I really try hard to make sure I notice things and pick them up if, if they're on the floor. And, and I don't know, you know, I don't know if that really translates to anything um, around, around me, but I, I do, it made an impression on me. So I felt like that was something others would notice too, uh, down the road. But I think it does, because I know when you and I had this conversation a while ago, we, we were talking about it, and my very first principal I worked with here taught me that same thing. He said, hey, listen, you know, you want to lead by example. You want others to see how, you know, what you're doing, and, and hopefully they'll, they'll come along and, and do that also. And I've seen it. I'm sure you've seen it, too, in, in people that you do work with. So I, I believe what you're doing is, is a very like noble cause. I think it's, it's something that you may never see it come to fruition, but I guarantee there are people who do it because they've seen you do it. Yeah. So, you know, this last piece here, it says, how many are there who work to be servant leaders or have a clear noble purpose? Well, it's almost like, like, um, those two might be battling each other, those two ideas. Um, because I, I do consider myself more of a servant leader than anything, but as far as a clear, noble purpose, I don't know that I've ever, like, I just want to do good. I mean, that's like bottom line, my mission statement, you know, 
and I, and I'm hopeful that 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 translates uh, through the career and through the community. So the definitions of a servant and service: one who serves voluntarily or on uh, compulsion; a person who is employed for menial tasks or other labor, uh, subject to command; a person who labors or exerts himself for the benefit of others; one who expresses submission, recognizance, or debt to another; an act of assistance or benefit, a favor, help, or aid in the performance of work or duties for a superior or as a servant. So that is what the definition of a servant is. A servant leader is someone who empowers themselves to do all those things, um, and it's not done because someone's telling you you have to do it. I don't know. I do try to empower others to identify their purpose, and we we just have these conversations on a regular. It's just it's very casual. And hey, you know, what are you doing with yourself? Where are you going with this? You know, we had a, a teacher here who originally came in as a as a social studies teacher, but started out as a class assistant. So came from from a, a rural school district, wanted to get themselves back up to St. Louis said, hey, I'd love to uh, get in at uh, some, get a foot in the door. And so we hired him on as a class assistant, um, which was definitely a, a downgrade in pay for him. He had already put some time in as a, as a high school social studies teacher. While he was a CA, you know, it became clear that we were going to have an opening, but in a different curricular area. And so I, I just nudged him and said, hey, you need to go and get this certification. If you can do that, then you have a real good shot at at doing this. It might not be exactly what you want, but this is, this gets you back into what you were doing, you know, and gets you back on that pay scale and, and putting your time in. So uh, he was able to pass the test and we were able to hire him in as a science teacher. And now, five years later, we have a, a member of our team that's retiring in the social studies world. So guess what? He's going to make a move because you know, his first passion and love is social studies. So we're going to just remove him from the science world, put him over in the social studies world. And now he's doing exactly what he wanted to do. Well, it took him a little while. I think the character that he built through the whole process of being able to, to really learn and, and grow as an educator um, in, a, in a curriculum that he was not necessarily yeah it wasn't like his passion i mean he he liked it but he was so funny i was just talking to him this morning he's like yeah it'll be nice because i know what i know about social studies you know he's like there was a lot i didn't know about science that you know kids would ask me a question i'd be like okay turn around for a second while i google you know <laughs> and, and so uh it's just kind of cool but but for someone to recognize that opportunity and and see it for what it was and to get after it and not sit back and let it let it just happen. So, you know, it was really cool to be able to say, "Hey, maybe you want to do this." And then he did it and then he he sat with it for a couple of years and now he's going to get right back to what he really wants to do and and uh boy, things have changed for him though. He wasn't married when I first met him. Now he's married. He has a kid. I mean, it's, it's just kind of cool to see how things work, but I love being able to empower other people to find their purpose and their passion. You know, um, do you have any examples of that? Like in your line? Um, I would just say we have a teacher who, um, he was a TA for the past few years and, knew what he wanted to do. He's a special, educa a special education teacher now in our building, but worked hard to get through college and hold down the TA position at the same time um, and applied and got the job. I mean, 
an amazingly hard worker who could see the end in sight and knew exactly what it was that he wanted to do. Uh, did everything he needed to do to make sure that it happened. So um, he's in his first year teaching here and just does a phenomenal job, connects with kids. Um, I think it was hard to uh, leave the classroom that he'd been part of for a few years uh, to take on this new role, but um, still has just as big an impact. Yeah. Well, it's just nice to see that for people. Yeah. We're, we're right in the midst of hiring season now too. So how is that looking for you knowing you're going to be at a new place next year? Are you kind of working both ends? Are you doing just one over the other? Well, so amazingly, um, there aren't any new hires in our building here at Antonio Mm. middle school. And I don't believe, um, at the elementary either. So I think we're in a pretty solid spot. Um, we do not have any retirees this year in the, in the building. So um, we were, we're fortunate that all, we're keeping all of our people for yeah. um, next year. So Yeah, so we, um, and not that I'm going to try and steal any of your teachers, but if you do know some people, let me know, because we do have um, a couple different spots that are that are going to be opening. Um, we, we have a couple that are, are going to be um, retiring, um, so those positions should be posted here shortly. But um, we also do have some transfers that, that might take place and that kind of thing. So our building isn't, I mean, it, it could look, drastically different going into next school year. So I'm going to end with these five steps for finding your purpose. So the first one is find what drives you. Find out what you're willing to sacrifice for, you know, and this is something that I'm batting around in my head right now because, you know, changes are on the horizon for me in my career. And I'm thinking, okay, what do I, what do I personally need to sacrifice moving forward? And what, what kind of sacrifices do maybe I have to ask of my family too, because there are changes that we talk about. Like we, as a family, don't plan on staying in St. Louis once I retire, but we have a little one, you know, that we have to think about and how that's going to work out. So we'll see where that goes, uh, but find out who you want to help and find out how you want to help. So I do, again, think it's so great that, you know, when I last talked to you, things were kind of up in the air in, in a lot of ways. Like you said, you you know, you go and look for something and it doesn't happen. It kind of hurts, but it's amazing how life can open up doors for you in other ways. And I think what we always have to recognize is just how, um, what might appear to be a setback is usually a setup, right? Yes. So, yes, I agree with you. So, um, Robin, you know, it's always fun for us to just get together and kind of chit chat. I always tell you, you know, you need to smack me around a little bit if you can through the screen because sometimes I get talking too much. But um, you're always so patient and always so cool about just, you know, listening and and, uh, contributing to the conversation. And I really appreciate it because it is cool for me to hear about the things that are going on with you guys and and where you're going. Um, I do wish nothing but the best for for you um, as you move forward. Um, you know, at the end of our programming, we're, uh, we're going to go ahead and call it a day here, but do you know how we sign off here at Mike's on? I do not. Oh nope. my goodness. Well, if the show is called Mike's on at the end of the well, show, we say Mike's off. Ah, you're so good. <laughs> Thanks Robin. Thank you. Join us in the weeks to come as we learn and grow together.